Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. people talked about how we're being out of touch with reality because supposedly if you follow Jesus, you're not following science, right? So that is the mindset of the people that we live around us. I'm going to talk about the privileges soon. These are some of the costs, but the privileges of following Jesus are amazing. So that's number one. Are we willing to follow Jesus without hesitation? That's maybe something that, don't say it now, but it's something that maybe spend some time praying over it. This is something that maybe we can answer that question later on in our own quiet time. But secondly is, are we willing to prioritize Jesus above our finance and our job? Money is the biggest idol for us. And I'm speaking as someone who needs to work through that all the time. Money is the biggest idol for us. And I think God, I believe that God knows that. That's why money is mentioned so many times in the scriptures. Back then, money is an idol. Money is an idol now. And money will always be an idol in the future. Which is, there's a reason why Jesus said this in Matthew 6 verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other. Or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I'll say that again. You cannot serve both God and money. I think we all have heard this before, but I think it's good to really stop and recognize Jesus didn't say you cannot serve both God and fame, right? Jesus didn't say you cannot serve both God and uh, possessions. Jesus didn't say you cannot serve both God and whatever. You cannot serve both God and money. And that in order for us to recognize that it is an idol, then we can at least identify what is an idol and work through that. So if I may suggest a way to help us work through being able to serve God and not money, if I may suggest is tithes and offering would be the first baby step in answering yes to the question of are we prioritizing Jesus over our possessions? over our finance, over our jobs. Because when we tithe and, and um, when we do tithes and offerings, I, I know we don't talk about this a lot here at Restoration, but that's something that we believe in because the reason that we tithe, we, we, we practice tithes and offerings because there are three reasons, at least. I try to slim, simplify it to, that, to three, season, three reasons. Number one is that we trust that Jesus is our provider. We trust in Jesus, just like in this situation, right? Jesus provided all the fish for them. Jesus is the provider, not government, not our bosses, not our company, not who, our skill, uh, if I can say, not our skills, not because of we are uh, able to work hard. It's Jesus is our provider. I, I will be uh, in a moment of uh, humility and say this. I know there are people who are smarter than me, and I know there are people who work harder than me. But I know that God has blessed me to be in the position that I'm in. So trust that Jesus is the provider. 
it's not because, well, we want to work hard. We want to do well. But he is the provider. So that's number one. Jesus is our provider. And number two, we've been obedient to scriptures. We tithe and we do offer offerings. It's because we're obedient to scripture. Scripture said, bring a tenth of what you get to God. So trusting that Jesus is our provider, obedience to scriptures, and number three is an investment in where God has us for this season. Because if God has us at restoration, invest your time, invest our money, invest our effort, invest our gifting into that season, into that local church. Whether it's restorations or anthem or wherever, Bethel or who knows what other churches that we have. Invest in that local church where God has us. So that could be a number one baby step, if I can say, in order for us to be able to answer yes to are we prioritizing God over our finances? And another, the third question through the passage on Peter is like, are we willing to put aside our comfort to be in the presence of Jesus? This is a challenging one also, right? It's, I'll be honest, it, was, it is challenging. Are we willing to put aside our comfort to be in the presence of Jesus? Because personal comforts are things such as uh, some of the things that we have today, right? Sleep, I would love to sleep more. Who does not like to sleep more? Anyone? I didn't. Oh, you don't want to sleep more? Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe, maybe for red, I would love to have more sleep. You know, there, there are things like, well, I would love to just spend more time watching my uh, favorite TV shows. Uh, I would love to spend more time browsing on my, e- I, actually I catch myself browsing on ESPN app all the time and I just realized, why am I wasting time as much as I love sports? Why am I wasting so much time on ESPN? Or even like Insta Reels. You know, you guys ever see those Reels sometimes? I just sit there and I realize, what is going on? I'm wasting all my time going through these Reels. It's useless Reels. Um, uh, are we willing to put aside our, our hobbies? You know, some, sometimes our hobbies may cause us to take away from time spent with God. That's what I mean by comfort, because sometimes we find comfort in our hobbies, find comfort in the things that we do well and enjoy instead of being with Jesus. Uh, I talk about social media, and sometimes, this is a big one also, is accountability. Because it's very comfortable not being accountable to someone. Right? Because it's very comfortable just, well, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. No one needs to know. I don't have to tell anyone. I don't have to make sure, oh, wait, is this okay to do, not, not to do? Are we willing to step outside of our comfort zone? And that's, what well, that's what I meant in terms of accountability. It's not like you have to report everything to someone, but just to say, hey, how's it going? I just want to see how you are, what's going on in your life. This is what's going on in my life. Just to talk to one another, share with one another. Peter could have stayed in the boat, right? Because eventually he would have gotten to shore. I think he, right, the the other disciples followed him and got to shore. But Peter did not stay in the boat. He jumped in and swam to Jesus. He He didn't think about comfort. So only each of us can truly answer those questions for ourselves. I want to encourage you guys, ask those questions. Ask those questions and take baby steps. Take baby steps in answering yes to those questions. And more importantly, ask the Holy Spirit to help you say yes to these questions. Without the leading of the Holy Spirit, we will struggle to say yes. In our own flesh, we will struggle to say yes to these questions. 
Because in our own flesh, we will prioritize our own needs, right? Our own desires first, our own comfort, our own um, livelihood, our own self-preservation. Uh, we can say, well, my checking, my saving account is really not that big yet, so let's not tithe until it gets like to a certain point. In our own effort, we would not. But when the Holy Spirit leads us and reminds us, hey, Hugh, Jesus is your provider. It's not how hard you work or how long you've been saving. We need the Holy Spirit. Because not only that, if we think we're saying, also another thing is if we think we're saying yes to those three questions, and I fully recognize these are very challenging questions, but if we say yes to those questions and not relying on the Holy Spirit to help us, we will grow in an area of being prideful, of self-righteousness, right? Thinking, well, I can do this. What's your problem? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not sacrificing yourself? I'm sitting here sacrificing and killing myself to follow Jesus. Why are you just sitting there enjoying watching your TV show and who knows what? So we have to be careful. If we try to do it on our own when answering yes to these questions, we will get prideful. And there's a sense of self-righteousness. And that's where religion and legalism will come in. So therefore, ask the Holy Spirit to help, to help us say yes to those questions. Because when we say yes to Jesus and go to him like Peter did in this passage, there is nothing that can compare to being in the presence of Jesus. I know you guys are all here. It's because you know Jesus. You've gotten to know him. And you know what it's like to be in the presence of Jesus. Right? There's nothing that can compare to the being in the presence of Jesus. And that is why Peter, he remembered, he knew what it was like to be with Jesus. So he said, I got to go. I can't wait for you guys. You guys worry about the fish. You guys worry about coming in on the boat. I am going because I want to be with Jesus. And I know who he is. And as, as we say yes to Jesus, we realize that he will provide for us, right? And he will forgive our sins and our mistakes. He always does. He will reveal his plans for our lives. That's one of the perks. That's one of the fulfillments on the size of the cost of saying yes to Jesus. Saying yes to Jesus. So let's talk about what happens when we say yes to Jesus by going all in. There are three things that I that I just wanted to remind us again of when we go all in like Peter did. Jesus provides. Just like the example, he provides. Jesus the reason why they got the fish. Trust in Jesus and he will always come through. Just like how the disciples did. They trusted in Jesus, throw the net onto the other side of the boat. It takes time to go fishing and they've done it all night long. I think we talked about that earlier. But they just threw it over because of Jesus, they caught a whole bunch of fish. So what we can learn from that is that he wants to know if we will listen to him. He, if we will listen to him. Most of us already know the stories, right? These disciples, they are fish, fishermen by trade. They know what they're doing. And they have been doing this all night long. It's almost like I'm in the insurance industry. And someone will come to me and tell me, hey, Hugh, this is how you underwrite. I have been doing this for 27 years. I know what to do. But because Jesus came along and they trusted in Jesus. Jesus just wanted to see if they trusted in him. If they are willing to obey him, just throw the net on the other side. It's ridiculous, right? It's like, I've been in this spot all night long. I got nothing. Who are you, buddy? I mean, that probably would be my response. If someone tell me how to underwrite. 
but they obey Jesus. And that's what Jesus wanted to see. That is what Jesus is asking for. That's what he's looking for from us is, are you willing to trust me? Because I will provide for you, but are you willing to trust me instead of relying on your own efforts? He could have provided the fish for them during the night. I know he could have, but he didn't. He wanted to know if they would trust him. So they listened to Jesus and did something that did not make sense. And they got a bunch of fish. So keep, please keep that in mind. It's not about the large catch of fish. It's about obeying Jesus. You know, I think sometimes we, we focus on, on the provision and the money and all these, uh, you know, the, the more you tie, the more you get money. And what's that teaching? Uh, I just escaped my mind. Prosperity preaching, yes. Yes, sometimes we focus so much on that, we forget that. Jesus just wants our heart and he wants us to obey him. And we lose the main point of why Jesus is asking for us to do the things that we do. It's not about getting rich. You know, there's like get rich schemes everywhere. And I don't think I've seen anyone have gotten rich from following one of those schemes, period. So it's about obeying Jesus. The thing that was even more amazing to me was that the disciples brought the large catch of fish to Jesus and he did not need the fish. He already had the fish and the bread and the charcoal. He already had them cooking, ready for them. He told them to bring the fish, but it's like, but you don't need to use what you got. You can keep it. I already have something for you, ready for them to eat. That's in verse um, 9 and 10. So Jesus provided for them, the disciples. He fed them while not using any of the fish that they just caught. So what we can learn from this passage is that don't hold on so tightly to what God has provided for us. That, that's, that, that statement is to myself also. Be generous with what God has provided for us, and he will make sure that we will always have more than enough. Trust that he, Jesus, is our ultimate provider. As I said, not our bosses, not our abilities, not how hard we work, not our skills, not the government, not anyone. So if we're saying yes to that statement that Jesus is our ultimate provider when we say yes to that, then our lifestyles will reflect that, right? Which is to be generous with our finances because we know Jesus will provide a large catch of fish for us just like he did for these guys, these disciples. They're so big that they had trouble hauling it in. Not only does he provide it for us, we can also trust in Jesus because he is good. If we know that he's good and he's compassionate and he's gentle and he's always forgiving, which is take me to the second point. It's like Jesus forgives. So first he provides, second he forgives. Because if we look at how he forgave Peter, starting in verse 15, we know what happened in the last chapter, right? Peter denied him three times. He, but in verse 15, he did not ask Peter what happened back there. I'll be honest with you. I was reading through this, and I think I shared this la last week. It's like I was angry with Peter. Like, dude, how could you actually say no to Jesus? How could you? He was calling down curses on those people who was um, asking him if he was associating with Jesus. That's how angry he was. But Jesus didn't say, hey, what happened back there? Yo, bro, why did you leave me hanging? You didn't have my back. That is our natural response, right? If you have one of your best mates just kind of turn their back on you and just like, oh, I don't really know you. Sorry, he's sinking, but I don't know who he is. Good luck to him. I mean, how would you feel? Am, am I being too honest? <laughs> but Jesus did not do that. He didn't ask Peter those questions. 
or ask Peter to explain himself because we probably would want to like, hey, Nick, what happened? I, Nick didn't do anything to me, by the way. He's a, he's a good guy. He would never do that to me. But like, he was like, what happened? Like, why did you leave me hanging? But what he said was, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? That's in verse 15. Do you love me more than these? More than these? As in what? What are these? Look at his surrounding. The other disciples, his friends. Do you love me more than the friends that you have? Do you love me more than this large catch of fish? That's why he brought them to bring, uh, bring the fish over. Do you love me more than the possession, the finance that I just gave you? Do you love me more than what I just gave you? And the fire, like the comfort, the charcoal fire that was sitting, they were sitting around. Do you love me more than the comfort that you're resting in? Like, you know, the place, the house, the bed, or what have you that you're resting. Do you love me more than that? Those are the three things that we talked about, right? You love me more than your friends. We say friends and reputations. We all value that, right? We all want titles. I mean, at work, we, we, we all want, like, big titles. I'll be known as big people. Do you love me more than the provision, the finance that we have? Do you love me more than the comfort that God has given to us? And it's not a coincidence that Jesus reminded, redeemed Peter at the charcoal fire. Because at the same charcoal fire, that's when Peter denied Jesus. Right? He was getting warm because it was a cold at night. There was other people around. He was worried about his reputation. He was worrying about what other people would say. But at that same place, Jesus redeemed Peter. It was as if Jesus wanted Peter to know that he had already forgiven him. Because he didn't, he didn't say, well, what happened? I'm forgiving you. He, said, he just said, do you love me more than these? Because Jesus had already forgiven him. He had died on the cross for all of our sins. I think that's what happened. He had died on the cross for all of our sins already. So when God forgives, he remembers it no more. As if he does not remember it happening in the first place. That is amazing, right? I love, love, love my kids. But when they've done something wrong, I tell them I forgive you, but it's difficult for me to just forget what they have done. But that's who God is. He remembers it no more. That's amazing, isn't it? It's in uh, Jeremiah 31, 34. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember the sins no more. That is the level of forgiveness that God forgives us. That is amazing. I can never wrap my mind around that. As much as I try to study these verses, that is just amazing. That's beyond my understanding. So he forgives us always. In case you may not know this, he has already forgiven us for all the things that we have done and, and all the things that we will do. No one's perfect. You may think you are, and hopefully I'm bringing a dose of reality. No one's perfect. But God has already forgiven us for all the things that we will do in the future. That's amazing, isn't it? Because before we even committed any naughty things, <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to my kids, naughty things, bad things in the future. So in Jesus and through Jesus, he doesn't try to bring it up. He doesn't, like, throw it in our face to remind us of those things. 
he just forgives us and he moves on because he doesn't remember what we have done. The devil is the one who tries to bring it up what we have done wrong. So there's a difference between the two. We need to be very discerning and recognize that. God convicts us. The devil will cause us to have guilt, shame, anxiety, stress. It is the devil. Because when they cause us to feel guilt and shame and anxiety, it isolates us. Right? Because when we feel guilt and shame, we don't want to hang out with other people because, oh, man, I feel bad that I did that thing. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to be around you because I'm reminded of those things. And when we isolate ourselves, that's when the attack will come. And it will come harder and faster and we will not be able to resist. Anyway, so Jesus had already forgiven us for what we did wrong. I know I got uh, 1 John 1, 7. And Psalm 103 on there also. It's like, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. He's already forgiven us. Keep that in mind. And it's something that it's not easy to do, right? We're so hard on ourselves. At least I know I am. And I, know, I think I know most of, most of you guys are very hard on yourself. But we have to remind ourselves that God has already forgiven us. Live in the freedom of what Jesus has done for us. If we put our faith in Jesus, his blood purifies us from all sin, every single sin, big or small. So he provides for us, he forgives and truly forgets what we have done. And if we can get to that place where we trust that he provides for us, it will lead us to the next stage knowing that, hey, I will not live in a place of shame or condemnation or or anxiety about my sins and what I have done and what was done to me. I will live under the grace of Jesus and the freedom through his righteousness. Not the my self-righteousness or the righteousness of someone else. It's Jesus' righteousness. So if we can get to the place of understanding that we have been forgiven and experience the grace and freedom through the blood of Jesus, we will be able to trust that God has an amazing plan for us. Know that he is amazing. Jesus has a plan for each of us. Let's look at verse 20 and 22. Peter turned and saw that the disciples whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned against Jesus and at the supper had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him and he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. At first glance, It sounded like a rebuke to Peter. In a way, it was. But if we know Jesus and know his heart, know that he provides for us, know that he forgives us, know that he loves us, we want to turn our attention to the very last sentence. You must follow me. You must follow me. I think people get so caught up in when Jesus is coming back and who's going to remain alive with Jesus. We lose track of this last sentence. You must follow. I, I don't mean to point fingers at you guys. I know that's, that's not the right thing to do. <laughs> you must follow me. Like Hugh, you must follow me. Liam, you must follow me. This is Jesus speaking, right? Kalina, you must follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't worry about what else is going on. Don't worry about what so-and-so is doing. Don't worry about the plans that, that I have for them. Don't worry about how well they're doing. Don't worry how, how terrible they're doing. You must follow me. So that's what Jesus essentially told Peter. And he's telling us to not worry about what will happen to others or what others are doing or more specifically what Jesus has planned for them. 
whether they are following Jesus or not. Right? Here's what Jesus is saying to you and me. Follow me. You must follow me. So don't compare. I know we talked about this a lot through the life of restoration. Don't compare. Comparison is from the devil. I'm going to be super strong on that. When we compare, we will belittle ourselves and we will not give the credit to what God has planned for us. We are comparing to what God has given to someone else and we are not treasuring and appreciative of what God has given to us. We got something special also. So don't compare. Follow Jesus. Do what he has called each of us to do. Keep our focus on Jesus. Just like Peter is, right? He kept his focus on Jesus. Like, Jesus, that's you. I'm coming. I'm coming straight for you, Jesus. Remember these three things that we mentioned earlier regarding Peter jumping into the lake, right? No hesitation. Didn't worry about um, his possessions. Didn't worry about his comfort. Will I get wet? That's, I would say that. It's like, wait, I'm kind of dry right now. I don't want to get wet, right? And the other, will the other disciples stay dry in the boat? They're going to go to Jesus and they're going to be dry. I'm wet and cold and tired. So maybe I should stay in the boat. Don't worry about those things. Peter was not concerned whether the other disciples would follow him to shore or not. There was no hesitation. Peter wasn't concerned with his livelihood. He put his comfort aside. I mean, I'm sure he caught enough fish to feed him for like the next month or so. But he wasn't concerned about that. He put all those aside for the opportunity to be with Jesus. That is amazing, right? That is amazing. Be faithful in what Jesus called us to do. It looks different for everyone. Just like how we've we seen examples in scriptures, right? Jesus healed those who were blind. He never did the healing in the same way. If you read through scriptures, he's always did something different. So it's the same with us. He has different plan for us. Be faithful with what Jesus has given to us. Not everyone has the same ability, but we all can be faithful with the different gifting that God has given to us. Right? Just be faithful in the gathering. Right? Be faithful. If you have skill and gifting, whether it's music, bring that forth. If, if, you are, if you're good in serving, bring that forth. Be faithful in what we can do. Be, if, we, if we're good at interceding and we have a gifting in that, intercede for others. If, if, we are good, um, if we've been blessed with finance, use that to bless others. Be faithful in what God has given to us. You know, I joke a lot about being on the worship team, but I don't want to be on the worship team because I know that's not what I'm gifted at. I want to do where God has me to do. Be faithful in what God has and bring that. Bring that forth. Um, I want to bring this morning to an end by encouraging all of us, myself included, to be like Peter in this chapter where he jumped off the boat and swam toward Jesus. Peter was able to do that because he knew Jesus, right? He personally knew Jesus. Sometimes when you can say, yeah, I know him, it's almost like, well, I know Michael Jordan, but I don't really know him. But Peter knew Jesus. He knew Jesus well. And that's why he was able to do those things, right? He was able to jump in the lake, no hesitation. He didn't compare about the other disciples. Like, wait, what about these guys? Should I help them? Are they going to come with me? Are they going to jump in the lake with me? No, he just jumped in by himself, no hesitation. He prioritized Jesus over our finance, 
Prioritize Jesus over finance. That's what he did. Prioritize Jesus over our own comfort. That's what he did. Peter didn't care about his comfort. I know it, it, it feels like it's ending on this last, last chapter because it feels so strong. Like the, questions, uh, the, the three questions that I had are very challenging to us to be able to say yes. But as we read through the whole book of John, we recognize that Jesus is totally worth it. Totally worth it for us to do those things. No hesitation. Put everything behind and focus on Jesus and chase after him and pursue him with all that we have. Because he is amazing. And I want to encourage everyone to read through this whole gospel of John. If you haven't, read through it again. Read it slowly. Read, read it with the intention of wanting to know more of Jesus. Because don't read it like a book. There's so many things in there that he wants to teach us. He wants to tell us. He wants to counsel us. Read it with the intention of, intention of wanting to know how Jesus handled a certain situation. Right? Read it with the intention of wanting to know why did Jesus respond in that way or not respond at all. Right? There are times when we don't need to respond to that. We don't need to defend ourselves. We don't need to start an argument. We just, that's okay. I believe in Jesus and walk away. Learn about his compassion and his grace for, for people through John. Learn about his unwavering desire and complete obedience to carry out our Heavenly Father's will. Learn about his love for us as his disciples, his love for his people, and his love for each and every one of us. Right? So the more that we learn about Jesus, the one whom we commit our lives to follow, Right? Because I think we, when we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we want to learn as much as we possibly can. So we can, be truly, so we can truly live as followers of Jesus. Right? Otherwise, we're following someone else. Otherwise, we just follow uh, a church leader. I don't want to be a follower of Bethel. I don't want to be a follower of Hillsong. I don't want to be a follower of the belonging company. I don't want to be the follower of whatever. I don't want to be the follower of the Pope. I don't want to be the follower of anybody. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And the only way to know that, to do that, is to know Jesus so we can follow him. And we can truly say that we're followers of the King of Kings, right? The King of Kings, the Son of God, and we are followers of Jesus Christ. So... Amen. That's what I have for us for this morning. So um, why don't I just end by praying over us? Why don't you guys stand? Um, I know it does, does get a little bit uncomfortable sitting on this bench for a long time. So, um, so let's, let's end with a prayer. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for you, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for speaking to us and through us. I just thank you for all that you are, Lord. As we gather, as we lift you up, as we praise you and honor you and worship you, you are always there and speaking to us. And we're so thankful that you're speaking to us, that you comfort us, that you guide us, that you lead us, that you have revealed more of who you are, Lord. And ask, Holy Spirit, ask in the name of Jesus that we can receive what you have given to us today. And take it and apply that in the days and the weeks and the months to come. And be able to truly live our lives as how Peter reacted when he found out that it was you. 
just without hesitation follow you, without comparison of what's going on around us. Keep our focus on you, Lord. Put nothing next to you or by your side. Put you above all things, Lord. It is not you or money. It is you and you alone, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to be able to do that, Lord, and help us to put all our comforts and the things that we find comfort in, but find our comfort only in you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to do those things. We love you, and we pray to all these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.